Hello and welcome back to the Creative Me podcast and also back to these series of special conversations in partnership with Northlands Creative. Um, I'm going to be on this really interesting journey of speaking with glass artists across Europe. Today my guest is Pinky McClure. She's a stained glass artist based in Scotland. Really cool chat with Pinky, you know, spoke about how she got involved in working in stained glass and also her music career as well. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation and I'll catch up with you at the end. All right, see you soon. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Me podcast and the series of conversations um, in partnership with Northlands Creative. And today my guest is um, a stained glass artist. Her name is Pinky McClure. How's it going, Pinky? Very well, thank you. Nice to well, be here. Awesome. And thank you for agreeing to come on and be a part of these special kind of conversations, you know, for Northlands Creative and, you know, Creative Me podcast. Um, just for our listeners, can you give them a little bit of an overview of yourself and what you do? Um, uh, I make stained glass panels, but they're narrative um, and they're my own narrative. So they're whatever's on my mind at the time. Um, but they look they, they look a bit like medieval stained glass, even though the content is contemporary. Okay. Uh, and I, I work both in architectural or, or I put them in light boxes. The reason I put them in light boxes is so that they can be displayed in galleries so that I don't have to rely on commissions. You know, mm-hmm. I can just have an idea, like doing a painting, I can just have an idea and make the piece rather than having to think about a third party all the time. Okay. And I kind of done a little bit of research about you and you getting into being a stained glass artist was actually kind of a bit of a mistake, wasn't it? It was a total mistake. <laughs> 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 why why but it was really straight I mean I was I was and still am a singer and a musician and that was what I that was my calling and um in fact I you know I've recorded 10 albums and done a lot of touring and gigs and still still hope to do so um but music doesn't make very much money and um I you know always had sort of odd jobs working in pubs and cafes and so forth and office jobs that got increasingly more and more boring and and by the time I was 40 I thought hang on a minute this is not this is no this is actually my life and I can't you know I'm spending most of my time in an office and not enough time doing creative stuff and um I got a job well it was actually my partner had was was doing stained glass as a hobby and it had kind of taken off but without okay. him, you know, he just started doing it for friends. And then more and more people kept saying, OK, can you put something in my front door or can you mend this? And he was getting lots of work. So he asked me to help him. And it was a lot more interesting than the office job. Although I really I really didn't like it because I'm not really that that neat and practical a person by nature. And what I found really hard about it was the precision because everything has to be measured right down to the last millimeter. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. You can't just trim a bit off the edge you know and uh so I found that really hard and I mean I remember when I first started just crying you know because (laughs) I hated it so much and my fingers were all cut to shreds and I couldn't and what also made me cry was the fact that I hated most of the designs that people wanted because it was very much about you know doing something to match your couch or you know know, I just want something really minimalist and plain And, and I just thought, oh, this is a bit like, this is just a bit like being a builder or a joiner. You know, there's no creativity in this at all. But because I was doing it, I had to learn 
all these techniques and and I just bought books and read up about painting on glass and the the harder techniques because the basis the basics of it is very simple you cut up bits of glass and you join them together with lead bingo you know that's that's it really um but to do something more sophisticated like church renders is, is it becomes really really complex mm-hmm. you have to learn how about engraving sandblasting acid etching and painting and using a kiln so i did all that slowly over the years and and because i was reading these books i was seeing all this imagery of this extraordinary stories weird and wonderful stories that were being told in medieval windows that I just thought were amazing. I mean, I, I was brought up an atheist. I don't come from any kind of Christian background at all. But I was fascinated by the history and also the humour and the darkness and all the, all the stuff that was in there became really fascinating to me. And I just thought, isn't it sad that I've ended up cutting out squares of colour when in <laughs> fact I mean, could, could be creating this insane universe of astonishing images and... Yeah funny dark weird stuff mm-hmm. and I thought and that's what my life is like my life's full of this funny dark weird stuff so why don't I just try doing some of that myself and you know how did that kind of transition then feel to actually start creating for yourself and how did that kind of process kind of come about well it was it was slow because for years I was just doing stained glass to earn a living so I was basically just doing what I was told for you know the first 10 to 15 years of that and getting progressively more depressed about it. Um, and then I just thought, I'll just try making some stuff. Actually, no, that's not what happened. What happened was that I, I um, put in a tender for a job at a hospital in Edinburgh. It was actually a sexual health, a brand new sexual health clinic in Edinburgh. Okay. And they were looking for a piece of art. They'd been left all this money. And part of the, the deal with the, the money was that they had to commission artists to put art in the clinic. And they wanted stained glass. And um, quite a few people tendered for it, but most of the people, as far as I know, who tendered for it weren't doing stained glass that, as far as these people were concerned, really looked like stained glass. They wanted what they considered to be stained glass which of course was what I was interested in. I was doing all these sort of figures and stuff and and stuff that really looked like traditional stained glass, but with contemporary content. So they went for it. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything that was completely my own uh, design and whatever I wanted to do. And up until then, I just thought, oh, nobody's going to want that kind of thing. But they loved it. And that just inspired me to think, right, I'm just going to try and do more of this. How can I go about it? Because I know that from commissions, people are not going to come along and ask for that because they don't know that exists. So I'm going to basically have to build up a portfolio of work saying, look, I'm doing this and put it in light boxes, just try and get it in galleries. And and actually it it was really successful really quickly. I was I was really surprised because at the time I was thinking, this is a lot of work and I don't know if I'm wasting my time and people are just going to look at it and go, oh, no, it doesn't match my couch. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's scary and weird. I don't want that. But actually, I think people liked it because it's it's it's, te- it's, it's either telling my life story or just mm. the, the stories that I see around about me. Yeah. And, and no, carry on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, sorry to interrupt you there, but um, I guess one thing, you know, what I was kind of really keen to kind of ask you, like, 
what kind of themes are coming out of like your work and what you kind of kind of what you're trying to convey with the wider audience um well it, it's it's the big stories really i think that i, I want to tell um because I, you know i don't want it to be trivial or decorative or well, it is decorative but i want it to be don't want it to be just decorative and, and certainly not trivial and the things that i find come into my mind are the things that that the big stories you know the 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 big stuff that's going on environmental cultural everything that you can think of really i mean i i've i, I made a piece all about the beauty industry and how that affects women's lives and kind of has kept us in their place to a certain extent in our place um and you know ex- exploring um what else have I done? Oh, um, drug addiction. I've, I've done quite a few about that. I mean, I actually had, when I was younger, I had mental health problems when I was in my, my teens and early 20s. And and um, I found that being creative has been a key to sorting, really sorting that out for me. And, you know, I mean, it's well known that art therapy is is a thing. And, that, that, and, and uh, I just... I've found um, doing a very slow um, art form has been been really helpful to deal with that. And I've, I find that just my thoughts and anxieties about things that are going on in the world sort of slowly feed into the work mm-hmm. as I'm making it. And um, I suppose I, I feel like if I can make something that's really, really beautiful and really skilled, people will be drawn to it because of that. And then within it, they can find references to stuff that's that's happening to them in their lives, or or to all of us that's relevant to all of us, and and maybe it can you know stimulate conversation, make people think. Um, and and you know if I can do that, then that's a great thing. Yeah, I, you know I definitely agree. I think it's just kind of like that that the age old kind of thing is that you know art does kind of transcend so many different kind of levels and different discussions you know even if it's like from self-healing or actually sparking, yeah. uh, sparking a debate or conversation it's, it's, it's just uh, like so many different art forms how much relevance relevance it has and how important it is and especially like you know for what you're doing as a glass artist and I guess one thing as well like you know I was kind of like very much kind of want to kind of pick your brain about you know you being a female artist in Scotland and being a you know a stained glass artist I can't. I'm, I'm probably assuming there's not really a lot of female stained glass artists in the UK, anyway. Oh, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it, it's. I, I think there are, but um, I couldn't tell you if there's more men than women. I'm really not okay. sure. I mean, it does. I suppose you associate it with it being, you know, climbing up scaffolding and and you know, hauling about enormous bits of glass, which is you are doing. But in fact, um, that's not that hard, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you make them, I mean, if you're making a really big window, you make it in sections, yeah, lot together, mm-hmm. and and you know you'd have to erect scaffolding and have a team of people to to assist you to put it in place. But it's and uh, probably a stonemason to cut the area that that it slots into if you're putting it in a church or somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I really don't know about that. It's, I, I mean, I have, 
because I've sort of been a bit outside of things because I'm self-taught or largely self-taught. I don't I don't really know. I've, I think I think maybe the, the glass. There are a lot of women working actually. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, this is something I was kind of curious about. Um, you yeah. know, I kind of thought like with kind of glass and this like my perception, the visual perception is it's always kind of been very much kind of a male kind of dominated kind of like industry, you know. And so it's good to be seeing someone like yourself being self-taught, mm -hmm. you know, and navigating that. And I guess like for you, then you know, there hasn't been kind of. I'd like to think there hasn't been much issue with you being a female, you know, stained glass artist. Only going on building sites, sometimes you feel a bit kind of exposed. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would also say that, they, that it's not so much male as the fact that it's still largely associated with churches. So, and that, uh, that was what I found really frustrating because you've got these fantastic buildings. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, especially in Scotland, I think there isn't, the, the stained glass, a lot of it was destroyed. And a lot of the contemporary stained glass doesn't have a, a sort of narrative aspect to it at all. It's, it's very abstract. And I think that's, that's, that's a reflection of what's going on in the churches. You know, they, they think they're going to scare people by having scary imagery or whatever. So right. it's actually quite limited what you can, you can do in most churches, not all. I mean, I have, I have made big church windows and, um, but, but it's, you know, it's very limiting. And, and also with the, with a lot of the kind of glass box style of architecture that there is now, it's, it's difficult to, to find people who want stained glass. It's all about light and, and, and architects imagine it's going to darken the place and, mm -hmm. You know they don't want any kind of narrative in it. It's just about the color, so it it, it becomes a different thing altogether. Okay. Um, and so I guess maybe because of the way I've been doing it, I'm looking very much from a woman's point of view at the world because that's what I am. Mm. And I and my pieces are personal. They're not they're not about the architecture. They're about the, the actual imagery. Is you know they're more like paintings really. Yeah, no, I was, I was, yeah, I've been looking at your work online and it's very, it's really beautiful work. And I can imagine like, you. Uh, you know, for me, I kind of think like that must kind of take a lot of time and effort and the attention to detail as well. So, you know, it's really cool work. Thank you. Well, it's very yeah. slow, but I, I enjoy the slowness. Actually. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, Good things but, take a long time. <laughs> you know, you can kind of look at it as like you know, not a race. It's like a marathon, almost like you know. When you, I think, actually, kind of like when you take a time of a kind of a creative process, that it feels a bit more for me personally, a bit more rewarding sometimes, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's that's it because I mean, in the when I've worked in arch, doing architectural glass in the past, it's been very much about the tech, having the technical skills. Which is great, you know. It's great, useful, useful to have those, but, but you know, it's that it's limited interest. Yeah, and you know, I think you know, um, like for me, I kind of think about like when I start like a new kind of creative project. Sometimes I kind of feel like when I've not been in sync, especially during this kind of pandemic, and I've started actually kind of do some kind of different projects and different things. And I sometimes I do kind of have that niggling doubt of, can I actually still do this? Is this going to yeah, be? Oh, yeah. You know, like, totally, do, yeah, totally. do, yeah, yeah. 
I know it's really strange, isn't it? Especially when it first happened, it was just like suddenly everything had this weird shadow hanging over. Mm -hmm. Oh no, everything's changed now. You can't think like that anymore. And it's really, really odd, wasn't it? I know. I mean, I did at the beginning of the of lockdown, I was just working on some stuff because I've got an exhibition. Well, I was supposed to have an exhibition this summer um, on on Mull, the art centre on Mull. And um, that got cancelled, but I was I was working on on stuff for it anyway, and I already had this idea and I, for one piece that was going to be exploring um, toxic masculinity, or at least men men's relationship with crying and how so many men are on the, unable to cry, and um, that had been my very sort of specific thing that I was looking at in this piece, and then lockdown happened, and it suddenly seemed. It, it didn't seem enough to just do that because because mm. the world had taken on this different hue. So I I changed it slightly. I still made the piece, but I changed it to more, be more about the universal need to cry because I realised that you know everybody was really scared and really suffering and didn't know how to respond. And actually, you know, I would I'd be sort of going gaily along thinking oh well at least I can still do stained glass and my exhibition will come along and then I'd sort of suddenly burst into tears and think <laughs> oh no why am I crying oh I'm yeah. crying because there's this really terrifying horrific global pandemic happening you know, mm-hmm. like, that's fair enough so I did the piece about that instead okay yeah I think you know is this, is this going to be one of the thing how that you know how <laughs> as creators and artists, how, you know, we had to kind of adjust to, and, and a lot of people have kind of said this word, like the new normal. And I don't think anything about this is normal at all. Yeah. You know, it's like this yeah. new kind of like way of this kind of existing and that because yeah. having like, I think, you know, emotionally and mentally, we're just having to kind of cope and like understand what's going on, but, you know, in our own like figurative kind of bubbles of actually navigating this really strange kind of time. And, you know, so for you, have you been able to kind of like, continuously access your studio space as well i'm really lucky that i i'm basically in a little shed in the garden so i haven't all through lockdown i've been able to just escape in there and um, and that's been fantastic yeah i'm really lucky that way it hasn't it hasn't really so far it hasn't really affected me that badly Mm -hmm. um i mean i had i've got two commissions so i'm just working on them and um and I'm also doing stuff for this exhibition if it, if it happens next year, which I hope it will. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's slightly affected my work, though. I would say that well, the new piece that I'm working on is is perhaps more open to interpretation than previous stuff, perhaps. Just because everything feels really nebulous—is that the word? You don't. Just everything's kind of floating around in this slightly. We don't know what's going to happen, do we? We've no idea what the world's going to look like this, yeah. this time next year. Previously, we could kind of guess what what life might be like, whereas now mm. we just have no idea. And so, as a result, I feel like I can't just sort of work in exactly the same way that I have previously. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely like, you know, a, a new adjustment to way this on many different levels, you know, especially within the creative industries, like, you know, how we are kind of communicating and connecting with each other. I was speaking to a friend this morning, 
you know, talking about like, you know, doing some kind of workshops and for like new year, but we're kind of thinking like on this kind of format, you know, online mm-hmm. Zoom kind of call, yeah. you know, we're thinking yeah. like, well, we're, we're, we're kind of like resided in our minds that the physical kind of spaces won't kind of happen for connections, you know, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. like, for probably uh, quite a while. Um, yeah. You know? yeah. So how do you kind of like feel about that? I guess like, you know, especially like, you know, you're creating work and then always with the intention to exhibit this in the space. So how do you think you're going to navigate this now when you're creating new work <laughs> and then trying to exhibit that? Is it going to all be online? Um, I hope it won't all be online. I mean, I'm, I'm making this piece to exhibit in a gallery I hope um I mean I'm lucky in that my work translates fairly well because Mm. it's very graphic um but at the same time you do really need to see it to see all the different textures and and the 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 depth because you know I sometimes use layers of glass or or paint on both sides and that, that that doesn't really come across so well on a screen as it does in real life um I mean, luckily, the 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 art centre on Mall, where I'm, I've got an exhibition, or will hopefully have this exhibition. Um, they've asked, they've commissioned me to make a permanent piece for the for the art centre, okay. which is what I'm going to be working on next. So, um, you know, I'll take that over there and install it, and uh, hope that in the future, lots of people see it rather than just you know the occasional one. Yeah. Um, I mean, stained glass looks very different in when it's got daylight coming through it than it does with LEDs mm-hmm. as well, because with LEDs you have to put a diffuser behind it, which flattens it out a bit. So it's nice to be able to do architectural stuff where the movement of light reflects the textures of the glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, with stained glass, like, you know, you mentioned before, like, you know, the always kind of the perception is that this, kind of work or kind of art form belongs in churches you know <laughs> these kind of spaces and mm-hmm. I'm also kind of thinking about the younger generations as well do you have you ever kind of had any kind of chance to work with anyone younger than you as is interested in being like a stained glass artist or do you think it's kind of like that kind of thought work that people are kind of not kind of engaging with as much um I don't I think if they're not engaging with it, it's purely because of the content. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't worked with anybody younger yet, but to be honest, that's just because I don't really feel like I'm ready to, because I've only, it's only been about how long, seven years that I've been doing my own mm-hmm. stuff. If you see what I mean, stuff that's really personal to me. And, um, and I'm still kind of work, working it out and trying yeah. out, experimenting with a lot of new techniques. Um, but when I did the, the beauty tricks piece that was that was shown in the art of art of glass exhibition in edinburgh in the national museum of scotland and um that was that's quite a complex piece all about the beauty industry and i started getting all this this mail from young women just say oh thank you thank you this is so brilliant it's so mm-hmm. chuffed to see this this really means a lot to me and that, and that just blew me away mm-hmm. and it was it did seem to be specifically young women that because it is. I mean, you know, they're the ones that, that are are most affected by, you know, eating disorders and yeah. plastic surgery and all this this sort of desperate need to conform to something impossible. And and I think maybe it's the kind of shock of seeing something that you assume is going to be 
the Virgin Mary or some really traditional imagery of, of saints and then getting there and suddenly realising that it's actually something that's really relevant to us now. And that's partly why I like stained glass because I'm completely going against most people's expectations of it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think, yeah, that's the kind of thing. I think when you can use that kind of format to actually create your own story, I mm. think that kind of actually does engage because someone might kind of come with a preconception and so, you know, or a stained glass exhibition and you and you automatically possibly think about the church. Mm. Oh, you know? I know. oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, people just assume that that's what it's going to be. And it's, mm-hmm. it's astonishing, really, because you just think, well, why? <laughs> it doesn't just have to be that at all. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, so thank you for like, you know, you kind of like changing that narrative about, you know, trying. staying glass art. Yeah. Trying, you know, um, but seven seven years is a you know, is a good, good, good I don't think it's trying, I think that's established. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um for you, you mentioned like, you know, two kind of commissions that you kind of got coming up at the moment that you're working on. But what do you kind of envision um for like going into twenty twenty one? what your work's going to kind of look like or do you have any kind of future plans for future projects? Um, yes, I, I do. Um, I'm, I, as I said, it's, it's changing slightly, or at least this new piece I'm working on is slightly different. It's, I'm kind of going more of a sort of uh, medieval psychedelic. <laughs> oh, that sounds cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the things about about stained glass is you are kind of limited to the color palette. So I'm mm. I'm 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 working out ways of using um, different paints and layers and and to try and create more kind of psychedelic colors. So lots of pinks and purples and. Um, Mixing in that, well, one of the things that, that I really like about a lot of medieval imagery is that it's really quite strange. You know, you kind of have these sort of disembodied heads floating around or, mm. and sometimes it's because a window's been mended, but, you know, hundreds of years ago, the, the, there is, well, or even now, there's a limit to how, what glass is available to, to fix them with, to mend them with. So there might be a bit missing and they might only have this bit that happens to have a foot on it. So you'd kind of like, stick that in even though it's in the middle of somebody's stomach or something and, <laughs> and you get seriously those women right. exist. and it makes them really hilarious and bizarre yeah. and, and I really love that so I'm, I'm using I'm working using imagery of of you know just sort of random body parts floating around but then with all this sort of kind of more psychedelic flowers and, and stuff to just um just to try something a bit different Okay, cool. And you know, you mentioned to um, listeners that you know you'll be you're a musician. When I was going to do my research about you, you said that you've been a music, musician since 1985. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, so I kind of looked at. <laughs> so I did my delve in a bit further. So I kind of like listened to a couple of like your like a couple of your tracks as well from two different albums. Um, oh, really? I listened to Garden of the Lights and uh, okay. I'll shoot, and I'll shoot the moon as well. And uh, I was like, okay. oh. All right, this is really cool. So I kind of felt like, you know, just another, like, looked on your website and stuff and followed all the links. So is this for your listeners, like, just kind of like, you know, just kind of you could let them know that how that kind of like your musical career kind of started as well. Well, my musical career never did start, really. That's that <laughs> been the problem. Uh, I mean, it's, I've just, it's been, uh, I, I mean, I that's kind of just been endless sort of record deals with little indie labels mm-hmm. um and i i started off well in the in the 80s i started off just experimenting with 
um, a four track and uh, this sort of digital delay, which at the you know now it's just a tiny little thing on the screen, whereas then it was like a big box, you know, and it was very. But you know, I just make little loops with that and sing over them and um, create these kind of uh, slightly strange, slightly electronic sounds. And um, I was also. I mean, I've I've been influenced by jazz and electronica and folk music and really anything that I like. So it's always been quite eclectic. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been more successful abroad than in Britain. I think maybe it's it's all, I don't know why. I, maybe it's just luck. But um, I mean, I work with with John Wills now as as, as Puma Joe. That's Pinky McClure and John Wills, and we we toured all over the place. We've been to Russia and Italy and Poland and Greece and but in a very minimalist kind of setup you know mm-hmm. just just he he does most of the electronics now and I focus mainly on singing because okay. singing was was what I was really interested in and even as something that you know you'd kind of like explore again in like the coming years a bit or you kind of still kind yeah. of work on oh yeah definitely I mean the, the thing is the sting in the past five years stained glass took over but I mean it up until five years ago, music was still my primary interest. Really, I mean, we did a we did a multimedia show at the Edinburgh Fringe, which was a made in Scotland show, and that was, it was so exhausting. And um, and and actually, I did a course with uh, a really fantastic American stained glass artist called Judith Schechter. I did that at Northlands in in 2015, and I thought maybe I should. She was really encouraging and she was really keen on my work. So I thought maybe I'll focus on the stained glass more because the music's just a killer and it just doesn't earn any money. You know, it really is so hard to earn money from music. Mm. Um, I mean, it's hard with art, visual art as well, but I think maybe it's slightly easier than yeah. music. And, um, but you know, now I really started to miss music and, um, we're still writing together. So I, I hope over this winter we'll, we'll, manage to get another album out and and maybe do some online gigs cool yeah but this is this is you know this is the way that things seem to be going now isn't it a lot of online gigs have been happening over the kind of like you know summer kind of period so yeah i'll I'll keep my eye out for that as well yeah well i'll let you know i'll put you on the, the mailing list so, so Pinky, before we kind of finish up, where can the listeners kind of like go and have a look at your work and you know find your music as well um, well, actually, all that on, on my website, which is uh, pinkymcclure.net. Um, there's imagery there and, and a link to music. Um, I've also got work at the Kilmorak Gallery on their website, uh, Henry Boxer Gallery. Um, and uh, where else? Scottish Glass Society. Mm-hmm. It's around. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. But, you know, Pinky, um, I want to thank you for being the second guest on these series of conversations with Create Me Podcast and Northlands Creative. So thank you very much for taking out your time and, you know, speaking of me. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys who are listening enjoyed this episode. So, yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, bye for now. So 
So that was my conversation with Pinky McClure. I want to thank Pinky and give her a big shout out for coming on the podcast and being involved in these series of special conversations with glass artists. So guys, definitely check out all the links in the episode description to see all of Pinky's work. Also, big shout outs to the sponsors of these episodes, Northlands Creative, Creative Scotland and Creative Europe. They're making these really interesting conversations possible. So big shout outs to them. So guys, yes, I'll catch up with you again next week for a really cool conversation with another glass artist. All right, see you soon.